performed everywhere made the journey to the place of their birth. In compliance with Caesar's degree that everyone should register for the census, Bethlehem was overflowing with people who were arriving from out of town. All the while, there was a miracle to behold. The day could be the day we see a miracle. A savior in our time would be a miracle. Expectations in the air, could the Messiah be near? We are waiting, we are waiting for a miracle.
As news that the Messiah begins to spread, all the, all the angels were already rejoicing and preparing for the good news. like no other. It was a night that would bring freedom from darkness, a night when love came down to earth. It was a holy night.
brightly shining this silent night the stars are brightly shining the world is waiting searching for something kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, Isaiah 9, 7.
Church family, one more time for this wonderful presentation this morning. Hey, right before you go back to mom and dad, I want to say something on behalf of all of us, okay? You are everything that's good about this church. And you, we love you, and we are so proud of who y'all are becoming as young men and women of God. And I want to take this opportunity for those, if you work with our kids as a Sunday school teacher, uh, missionettes, rural rangers, impact, children's church, would you just stand for just a moment all across this place? Would you honor them this morning? Okay, guys, you'll make your way to your parents. Oh, just one at a time, or each side, this way. Oh, you coming to me. He said he knows where his parents are. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Kelly Wood, and I want to welcome you guys this morning. What a wonderful, wonderful way to start our morning. I'm so, oh, Elijah, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> That's a long drop. There's no steps there. <laughs> Sorry. Mom mode kicks in. Um, on behalf of my husband, John, and the rest of our staff here, though, we want to say good morning and welcome, particularly if you're a first-time visitor with us today. I hope that as you walked in that you were greeted warmly. I know that our greeting team has been praying and planning for you all week. If for some reason we happen to miss you, though, please do me a huge favor. If on your way out, if you could make sure you visit their greeting table, they have a small gift they want to put in your hands, and we would just like to know how we can be praying for you. You're under no obligation. We won't do multiple home visits, but we would just like to know that you're here and that you're welcome and just put a face with a name. So we're very glad that you're here with us today. Um, as I'm asking the tech team to go ahead and get ready to play our promo at the end of my announcement, I just wanted to make a couple of announcements. 
Tonight is the youth Christmas party. It's going to be from 6 to 8 p.m. here at the church in our student center next door. So tonight from 6 to 8, youth Christmas party. In lieu of a gift exchange, we're going to bring something sweet wrapped as a gift for our sweet exchange. So buy your favorite candy. I'm personally a big bag of M&Ms fan for anybody who wants to know. Anyway, and we'll have a little gift swap. So um, <laughs> That's my one announcement. My next one is these beautiful poinsettias. You should have gotten one of our programs today as you were coming in. Not so much a program as much as who our poinsettias were in memory of or in honor of. So if there's one that you purchased or if you're the family member uh, who it was purchased for, please make sure before you leave today that you pick up your poinsettia. So um, we won't need it for next Sunday service. So if you'll go ahead and pick them up and thank you, thank you, thank you for providing such beautiful beautiful decorations for our sanctuary this Christmas. Um, Brian and guys, if you'll go ahead and play our promo, we're going to, starting January 3rd, we're going to start a new sermon series, and um, Pastor John has provided this promo for us to hear a little bit about it. I'm concerned that people today don't know who God is. They do not know God because they've rejected Jesus Christ the Son and they stand condemned. Do you think that's respectful of other religions? Senator, I'm a Christian. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You know, people say, like, when did you lose your faith? I'm like, it started 15 minutes after I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Immediately encountered stuff in Scripture that I was like, that makes no sense to me. It's a generation of people who were not taught Scripture and so they were pretty quick to throw it out. Christ died for our sins. How does that work exactly? Like by what cosmic mechanism does the death of Jesus take care of your personal sins? Jesus was volunteering to drink the cup of God's wrath. That turns God into some kind of like divine child abuser. Does God really love me, or has he simply been paid off? The Bible is so helpful to us if we just read it, you know. We're going to read things that offend our sensibilities. Did God kill Jesus? Yes. I don't think God killed Jesus. You cannot read the Gospels and think that. And how could that ever be good news? And this is the dilemma of the American pulpit. We've got a God of wrath versus a God of love. And I was watching a lot of my friends reject the Christianity they grew up with. If there is any other way to get around a fiery, eternal pit, why would we not be open to that idea? This creates a basis for what I call a natural religion and a universal religion. Why would you want to worship a God if you could imagine a better God? We are saved from God himself. That's not the God I worship. That's not the God of the Bible. When I survey the wondrous cross. This is the doctrine of Christianity. This is the doctrine that separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. Did Jesus go to the cross unwillingly? No.
I'm sorry. Dr. <laughs> um, John, I thought you were going to come up and talk a little bit about it and then our offering. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, baby. Yes, sir. Your offering is gone. It's right there on the uh, seat right there. And in just a moment, we'll give it, okay? Okay. It's right there. Church family, right before we uh, honor the Lord and worship Him in our giving, I want to tell you in 26 years, I believe that this coming winter series on the crucified Christ, the Christ, is the most important thing we've done in the history of our church. With what awaits us this next year, either way, if Jesus tarries, the most important thing for those of us who are born again is that we might be able to clearly articulate the gospel and earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I want you to come with your heart prepared, your notebooks, your Bible open. Church family, I want us to be on time to start. Uh, the worship will be the intro of this documentary, and then there'll be preaching, uh, question and answer, uh, discussion, panel discussion, and it's an apologetics. It's uh, six, seven weeks uh, of the first of the year about Christ crucified, whether you know it or not, because you attend a Bible-believing church. A great portion of the modern-day evangelical church has turned away from Christ the substitute unto another gospel and doctrines of demons. And so I just want to encourage you, beginning January 3rd, next week, Lord willing, we finish our series on Ruth, and then January 3rd at 10 a.m. sharp, uh, we start our series on the Christ. And so I encourage you to be there. We want to give you an opportunity now to worship the Lord in our giving. This is our tithes and offerings unto Him. And before you give, especially for our guests, you need to understand that we are not under Mosaic law. We are not bound to give the Lord 10%, but that's going to flip over if you pull on that. Uh, he said, I'm not pulling on it. Uh, you're your daddy's boy. Um, that was something that God required of his earthly people the Israelites, but we who are Christians, he tells us that he loves a cheerful, cheerful, cheerful giver. And for me, if that was what was required of his people before Christ died for their sins, that's, that's the beginning point for me. But for you, as every man purposes in his heart, we just give to the Lord. And I want to tell you, I've mentioned 26 years already. Uh, 26 years ago, we started a little church in an office park and we have never done without one day because God is faithful. No, he doesn't need my $50, but I need to honor him and bless him. And every bit of the gospel that's been preached and discipleship that has happened in this church has happened because you have funded the work and ministry here. And so I want to thank you for that and give you an opportunity now to give this morning. So guys, if you'll cue some music and let this be an act of worship as you give to the Lord.
Church family, it's our practice, although we uh, did not do this the last couple of Sundays. We did, uh, how many of you got to see the pictures of the angel tree gifts and those that were provided? Every child was taken care of. Isn't that wonderful? Can someone say praise the Lord? It was beautiful. But in every year, there are um, needs that are even greater than just uh, Christmas presents under the tree. We've had uh, death in our church. We've got families that are at critical places. And we're going to take this last Sunday, separate from our giving to the Lord. Now we give in his name. Now we give in his name like, I see you. And you know, at Christmas time, I always want to help, but I want to make sure that it goes to a genuine need, not just some generic um, Facebook post or hope it gets there or some large institution that 10% of the money goes to where it's supposed to go. Every penny given here will go to someone in need that this local church knows uh, firsthand and we want to put it in their hand and look them in the eye and say, we see you and we love you and we want to minister to you today. So um, I'm asking just to play one more song. And if you want to make a check to Christ Chapel, just put Christmas in the bottom left. And this is an offering. This is an offering unto those that um, really need us this Christmas season. So this is something we don't do often. Uh, I don't mind taking offerings for other people. So uh, I want to do that now. Guys, if you'll just play something for us. And this will be a, a Christmas offering. Thank you very much. Can you reach it? Church family, would you stand this morning for the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 1, and then I'll read two other portions. Has today just been wonderful? Just wonderful. Food for the soul. I was seeing all your babies and grandbabies get up and they would just say two lines and y'all would just clap and cheer and I'm preaching my lungs out every year. Oh, thank you. That, oh, no, seriously. No, 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 no. Just, I know, and I bring this up every year and the people that just last row, last seat, they just say, I'm just not comfortable with, they're on the second row. 
first row corner. So, you know, we'll just let the Lord judge between all that. So. <laughs> Matthew 1, verse 18. If you're there, say amen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with a child, with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take unto you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Not in their sins. From their sins. Let me read this to you in Luke 2. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And then later in Jesus' life in John chapter 1, John sees Jesus coming to him and said, There is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. For unto you was born a Savior. A Savior. He will save you from your sins. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He saves you through the substitutionary work of His death on the cross. He was born to die. And I want to speak to you for just a few moments this morning with our families beside us. And I'm appealing to every man in this room, Christian and non-Christian. You need to be the channel by which grace flows to your family. That they are taught, that you articulate the necessity, the preeminence, the exclusiveness of Jesus Christ as our lamb. His blood on our doorpost. His grace extended to us. Would you bow your heads with me as I pray for myself and us this morning? Lord, for the next few moments, I pray that you would give me the ability to clearly articulate concisely this message. Lord, we got fidgeting children with us, but I pray that you would allow them to hear with their hearts and understand with their minds and let there be spiritual renewal. Let that papa that's been sitting on the sidelines stand up and be the leader in his home. Let that mom that's been indifferent or bruised, let her come to life. Let this be the Christmas where our family is fully united around the cross of Jesus Christ and experiencing the grace that comes from that knowledge and that great gift. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to thank Wade very much for filling in for me last week. I had my second eye surgery. I had one 20 years ago. And I had one Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It would just pour water. I couldn't open one eye. And right now, you really have a Sunday off because I can't see your expressions. It's all blurry. <laughs> you can stick your tongue at me. I don't know. And I can barely, I'm not supposed to touch this eye, but everything is halo-y. And so if you see me doing all this, it's because I'm doing all this. I can't, you know. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the Savior. How do I 
summarize in 15 minutes this morning a gospel that has been proclaimed for thousands of years and in this last generation diluted, polluted, uh, distorted, and perverted. How can we lose sight of what Christianity is at its core? And it is at its core this, that Jesus Christ died according to the Scriptures and that He was buried according to the Scriptures and He rose again according to the Scriptures. He died for my sins and He was raised for my justification. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And Christ is that shedding of blood. If you wonder how God views us, and in this modern day uh, false gospel, which we'll be going through if Jesus tarries in January, it starts off with you're amazing and you're, God thinks you're awesome. No, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. All of us have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you want to know how God views you and I uh, in our sin, you look at the bruised, battered, bloodied, uh, destroyed body of Jesus Christ. He became that penalty for us. They shall call His name Jesus. Mary, did you know that your baby came to die? The purpose of the sinless birth of Jesus Christ is because the first Adam, through him, sin entered the world. And through the last Adam, life enters the world. In the same way Adam passed on the sin genome, if you will, to all of us, and death passed on to all of us. That's how we know that we have hereditary sin nature because we die. Adam died and we die following him. But in Christ, the last Adam, not the second Adam, the last Adam, we now have life. And I just want to read through these quickly. I won't keep you long this morning, but I, I want you just to see the complete, uh, although it's not an exhaustive list, the complete expression of who Christ is. Christ was not a, just a teacher, although he taught. He was not just a good man, although he was purely good. He was the Savior, the exclusive, the exclusive Savior of the world. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Number one, he was the divine eternal Savior. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and his life was the light of men. The Bible tells us in Revelation that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. So, in a nutshell, God's going to create man, and he has one or two choices. He can give man free will, or he can make him a robot. If he makes him a robot, he have men that worship him without any desire, any intention. They were just forced to do so. What kind of God would make robots? That answers the question, what kind of God would let someone go to hell? He gave them free will, knowing that if he gave them free will, that man would fall. And in man's failure, before man was ever created, he volunteered himself to pay the penalty of our sins so that we could be born again. Not just born uh, through a mom and dad in an earthly body, but born again. So now our sins are covered and through our free will, 
we worship Him. He was the eternal Savior. Before there was a world, there was a Savior. Before there was a me or you, there was a Savior. He was the promised Savior. Everything in the Old Testament points towards Him. The anticipated Savior. Every sacrifice in the Old Testament. Every trespass offering. Every sin offering. Every burnt offering pointed towards Jesus. The blood on the doorpost where God said the death angel was going to go through and each home, each home had a lamb, but your lamb had to be spotless, perfect. There could not be a blemish on its foot or its ear or its eye. It had to be perfect. Well, there are no perfect people. So God had to come in the form of man, perfect, sinless. And, and the same way in the Old Testament, they took the blood of that goat, that lamb, and they put it on the doorpost and the lintel of their door. And the man told his wife and babies, as long as we stay inside, God will not judge us. That lamb, there was nothing special about the lamb except that the lamb pointed to the lamb. God accredited the lamb that was present. He credited it connected to the lamb to come. Every house a lamb. The Bible speaks in the Old Testament of a scapegoat where the priest would act out, if you would, by faith, taking all the sins of the people and putting it upon this goat and driving it into the wilderness, symbolic of Jesus Christ taking our sins away from us. What happened to that goat in the wilderness? He was shredded. He was slaughtered. No goat can hold up to the wild animal and the wild beast. And what did Jesus do? He became a curse for us and took our sins away from us outside the camp bearing our reproach. He was the serpent lifted in the wilderness. There was a time when the Israelites were dying because of God's judgment. And God told Moses, make a brazen serpent and put it upon a pole and hold it up. And everyone that looks shall live. So listen, the snake had bit these people and the venom was running through uh, some of them at the last stage. Some at the first stage, it was a fiery uh, burning venom and they would die quickly and agonizingly and God said if they just look what's the advantage of looking at a brass snake on a pole it's that God would credit the Christ who would die on a pole he would credit it in future that had not happened he would bring it to the past and credit them and just that look would save them in the natural realm because in the spiritual realm, some of us more close to death than others. Some of us sin had worked its way through our body more than others. And all we had to do was look. Do you remember when you saw Christ for who he was? Do you remember when you saw him for who he was? And you were healed instantaneously. And everyone that looked, everyone that looked was saved. He was a sinless savior. The Bible said he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be the righteousness of God in him. He put all of, his, all of the world's sin upon him. He not only took our sins past, he took, God stay with me, he took our sins present. It, it is important, it's imperative that Christ had to be flawless. That's why in today's spiritual economy they oppose the virgin birth because see Christ couldn't be 
the sufficient sacrifice had the lamb been flawed. And when a man and woman make a child, the seed, the blood, comes from the man. The egg comes from the woman and a child is made. And since Mary was a virgin, that is God taking upon himself flesh so that he could be the last Adam, the sacrifice for our sins. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful, the story of his grace? And that's why we have to fight for the doctrine of the virgin birth. We, we have to stand and say, no, it had to be the spotless lamb. See, God did, you hear some preachers today say that God uh, laid all his divinity aside. No, he added man. He emptied himself by adding humanity to his divinity so he could be both God and man. Had to be a virgin birth. Because one man, see, you can't die for my sins. You die for your sins. I can't die for your sins. You die for your sins. But Christ became sin for us. That's why as a man, follow this, he cried out from the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you imagine the words for the first time in his reality? He experienced God turning his back, God the Father, on him. Now, he's part of the Godhead. So what was that? When my sin was placed upon him, God had to turn his back. So that's what he was bearing for me. He was being rejected so I could be accepted. You see? He was dying so I could live. He was becoming an outcast so I could be accepted in the Beloved. He was, become, he was experiencing this rejection so that I could enter in and be accepted by God Almighty. Sinless Savior. A substitutionary Savior. Him for us. Him for us. In our series coming up in January, you'll find um, a constant contrast with people that oppose and Many of them are obviously bound in wickedness and sin. And they say, that just makes God a, a child abuser. Your, your God is a monster. They say, and they say it like this. They said, your God was just paid off. That's not forgiveness. Back up just a minute. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit... Planning for our salvation. Christ was both the offerer. He was the offering. And he was in the Father accepting the offering. Divine justice means that sin has to be paid for. How can it be abuse when the Son said, I will do that for them? It's man's distortion of eternal realities to soothe his own depravity that I could not have been that bad. And we are all sinners. And our sin has separated us from God. And it would take an act of God. Do you understand the absurdity and the insanity of telling God how it is that we are to be saved? He decides. And it was through the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the earth was laid. Number seven, 
Sadly, he is the rejected Savior. He is uh, rejected because men do not know they are lost. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, But if the gospel be hid, it is hid to those that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Many people do not know they are lost, and a modern-day theology tells them that God thinks you're awesome, so just do the best you can and love. Love wins. No, truth wins. Truth wins, and it is empowered by love. God so loved the world. Uh, Brooke, if you would come please this morning. We reject Jesus because we love our lust and our pleasures and our rebellion more than we love God. We reject Jesus because we're too proud to fall upon Christ and be broken. Too proud. The Bible speaks of, there's two types of people in the world. They'll fall upon this gospel message, this person, and it'll shatter their life and break it into a million pieces. Or they will stiffen themselves and stiffen their neck and that rock will one day fall upon them and crush them. Too proud to say, I am your estimation of me. Too proud to kneel down and come through the one eye of the needle. The Bible says, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many be, go in thereat. But narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Many people reject Jesus because like Oprah, they say, he cannot be the only way. See, that insults our intelligence. It insults our reasoning. Like Bernie Sanders saying, do you not find it offensive that you say that anyone outside of Christ uh, is outside of salvation? He said, sir, I am a Christian. Yes, that's what I believe there's no other name. There's no, we can't create the password. It's like creating your own password to get into someone else's website. You can't enter heaven without the key, the way, the door, the truth, the life. It has to be what God requires. And he requires a spotless lamb. And guess what? You and I are out of lambs. We can't do it. We think we have plenty of time, but life is just a vapor. It appeareth for a little while and vanisheth away. And this is what a lot of my friends that aren't Christians, when I talk to them, they feel they've done too much, gone too far, and they're not worthy of salvation. And they are exactly correct. Romans 5 says, when we were without strength at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For no one, for one would scarcely die for a righteous person. And maybe for a good person would someone dare to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe you're in this place and you're here for the play this morning. You're here for our kids. You're welcome. Listen, everyone in this room that names the name of Jesus is just like you. I'm so glad I'm a whosoever. I'm so glad that, so what are you saying, Pastor John? I I just, you say, I'm not, I don't feel worthy. You're not, we're not. I've gone too far. Exactly. I've done too much. Exactly. But whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be 
saved. Saviors save. Healers heal. Restorers restore. Christ's rule and reign and are anointed to accomplish the works. Very quickly, this is the last one. He's not just a rejected Savior. He's a successful Savior. Having become sin for us, it pleased and satisfied God the Father to smite him. For Jesus was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, and by his stripes I was and am and shall be healed and saved. He was successful in reconciling us to God, nailing the handwriting of ordinances that was against us to his cross. We who were dead in our trespasses and sins has he quickened together in Christ, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible he saved us not only from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin. He that the sun sets free is free indeed. And yes. And see, watch how this false gospel, almost done. Watch how this false gospel uh, confuses people. Said, well, God loves me just like I am. I can be shacked up. I can live immoral. I can live in homosexuality. I can be filled with pride, envy, malice. I can be covetous. God loves me just like I am. Oh, absolutely. And he loves you too much to leave you like you are. And when Christ enters, the first thing he does is cleanses the temple. And he goes, stop this, quit this, stop this. How do I know that I've been born again? Two things. His spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. And he saves me from my sins. Not just the penalty satisfying God, but the freeing. The freeing. Like Any of y'all ever keep a dog on a line? What happens when you unhook them? Pew! gone just running that's what Christianity looks like I am free from that which I used to be I once was but I'm not anymore he was successful in finding us in rescuing us in redeeming us and restoring us my Savior is a beautiful Savior a loving Savior a present Savior a caring Savior and an ever-present Savior the Savior is faithful. He purchased us. He now protects us. He provides for us and preserves us until His coming again for us. And I echo this morning in Acts chapter 1, and this same Jesus which is taken up from you shall so come in like manner as you've seen Him go out from you. When Christ said, I'm a Savior, He saves. And when He says, I'm coming again, He's coming again. To do what? To finish the salvation. To bring us unto himself. Why? Because where I am, I want you to be. Each one of us in this room will ultimately, and I believe soon, stand before God. We'll either stand and answer for our sins or to give an account for the deeds done in our body. One throne is a throne of great wrath and one is a, a throne of great mercy. One, the sins have not been paid for. And the person is judged for them. 
And the other throne called the Bema Seat of Christ has a rainbow around it. Symbolic of God's mercy. And we will be judged according to our deeds for reward. What will your plea be if the world ended now? If you, your heart stopped beating and you stood before God? I'll use me. John Wood, how do you plead if there ever was a guilty man of sin? I am guilty. Jesus comes up and says, Father, this is John. I died for him. John, is that true? It's my lamb. Your sin's paid for. Next. Barabbas goes free because Jesus died. The scandal of grace. So what would you answer? Sir, Papa, Granddaddy, how do you plead? I'm not as guilty. I'm just as guilty as anybody else, I guess. That arrogance and that rebellion will damn you, sir. See, your gospel offends. Yes, it does. And it saves. What will you do with Christ? Is it nothing to you who pass by? If you answer the accusation against your life with anything else but the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity in hell. So what's your plea? Christ and Christ alone. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? No one looking around. I won't embarrass you. Pastor John, if that's the gospel, then I know that I'm not saved today. You think heaven has enough grace for me? Yes, sir. I do. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, I'm asking God to save me this morning. Is there anyone? God bless you. God sees you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Brother John, I believe and Christ is my lamb, but I'm backslid in my heart and I need to come back home. If that's you, just slip in and say, God, please forgive me. Please, for God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Church family, would you stand with us this morning? If you're with your family, um, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, you know, Papa, Mama, but if family, those, I want you to picture this morning. Everybody with me, I want you to picture. And if you will, come on, Kelly, will y'all come up here? I want to do this for my family. I want us to just see ourselves. And visualizing doesn't make anything happen. But I want us to say, come in, boy. Come in. Before Pastor Wade comes to pray, I want you just, those of you that want to, I want us to, right here at Christmas, Let's say this was it. Let's say you can't worship freely and they're coming in with guns blazing and whatever. I want you to know as for me and my house, the blood on my doorpost is the Lamb of God. If that's you, I want you just to do that. Lord, the blood on my life, individually, on my life and on my babies, 
is Jesus Christ the Lord and nothing and no one else. We plead the blood of Jesus over our life. The Savior, Christ the Lord. Pastor Wade, would you come? Lord, our hearts are full of joy because you have given us great joy. God, you have called us out of darkness and into the light. God, and you have shown your light in the darkness. And your son came as a baby born, placed in a manger, overlooked by many, but announced by your angels. Lord, we thank you for that light that has shone in our hearts. God, would you let it shine in our families this season? Would you let it shine from our homes this season? Would you let it shine from our words this season? God, let it echo through our hallways. God, let it echo through our children. God, let it echo in the things we do. God, I thank you that we get to celebrate, Lord. And I pray that in this celebration, you would do something unique this year in getting us ready for next year in this series that you set in front of us. God, let this be the birthing of what you want to do in a new way in our hearts. God, let this season that celebrates birth be a birth in us. The same way Mary was impregnated with the, the power and the salvation of the God that you would in us birth something deep and let it begin this season we pray and God as we go forth would you set our feet to flight would you elevate our words and our thoughts and our ideas to you and to your throne room we pray this in Jesus name amen we we'll remind you of our Christmas Eve service coming up it's a 30 minute service so please be here it is at 6 on the 24th, in case you're wondering. <laughs> also, if you purchased the poinsettia, would you come pick it up today? It was just a silent night. At least that's what it seemed. But a newborn baby cried was changing everything.